All right, everybody. Happy Wine Wednesday. Today's March 3rd. We're uh, heading to Bodega for Wine Wednesday after this. Since restaurant, restaurants are uh, slowly starting to get open. But this is Ben Dunbar and Brett Siffling here from Grover Kawasaki Wealth Management. Uh, today, we are going to be talking about the bond market. Not, not stocks, not GameStop, not AMC, but the <laughs> bond market. And I will say, I love when the market's volatile because this is when people start talking about bonds and they're speaking my language. So uh, just as a starting point, as, as always, we'll be recording these on Clubhouse around 3 o'clock Pacific time, usually on Wednesdays and doing some Q&A after that. And uh, today we'll be talking about various different investments, uh, more about bonds, less about stocks, but any sort of recommendation that you may hear from us, do not take it as advice. Uh, please reach out to your financial advisor at Gerber Kawasaki. And from there, Brett, I'll let you kick it off. All right. So uh, it's been mentioned today, really everyone is talking about the stock market or uh, at least uh, the people that are interested in the stock market are learning about the 10 year. Uh, and we're about to uncover why exactly that's important. Uh, a lot of you who have been in growth investments have probably noticed that you've gotten pretty beat up over the last couple of weeks. Uh, this is one of the main reasons why. Um, and like you mentioned, the bond market is actually much larger than the stock market, believe it or not. And um, it's almost never talked about. And so um, some recent numbers for the global bond market, it's actually estimated at $128 trillion worldwide. Um, so you're talking about 87-ish trillion in government bonds, which is about 68% of the float, and about another 40 trillion in corporate bonds, which is about a little over 30% of the float. So Ben is the big bond guy, but you know, for those of you who don't know what bonds are and kind of how they break down, there's two main types. There's what's called municipal bonds, and there's also what's called corporate bonds. And there's an important distinction between them, uh, not only on how much they yield or how much interest you get, um, but also how they're taxed. Um, so municipal bonds generally are actually tax free. Um, they're backed by the state and local governments. And so what we tend to do as financial planners or investors is put those in taxable accounts. And the more money that you make, uh, the higher the taxable equivalent yield is versus corporate bonds, which are bonds like that. Let's say you can buy from corporations like Apple or Google or even Tesla. Um, those are going to give you a higher yield, but ultimately they're taxed. So a lot of the times people will put those in tax deferred retirement accounts, IRAs, and this is a super unique distinction between them. And it's super important that you're using the right bonds at the right times. Now, a lot of you are probably thinking, should I have an allocation to bonds? Um, a lot of our clients and, and listeners are younger. Um, a lot of them probably have never owned a bond or a bond fund before. And really it breaks down to a lot of things. It's not just your age, but it's also depends on your goals and ultimately like your risk tolerance, right? So some people aren't into growth investments like a lot of you are, and they just want their money to grow slowly. Um, and ultimately bonds have not been paying a lot right now either. Um, we, and so we, we could thank uh, thank the Fed for that, right? Uh, yeah. Back in the day, everyone said thanks Obama, but uh, it's really, <laughs> really thanks, thanks Federal Reserve. So what so. is the Fed, though, Ben? A lot, a lot of people don't know what, exactly what that is. So the Fed or the FOMC or the Federal Open Mark, uh, Market Committee uh, is this group that meets eight times per year, and what they do is is set target interest rates. So you know your your mom, your dad. You know, maybe even your grandparents, they probably told you, oh, Sonny, when I had my first mortgage, I paid 7%, I paid 8%. Um, and now just these rates are crazy. And why, do that, why does 
did that happen? Well, basically what the Fed is in charge of, the Fed is in charge of what's called the Fed funds rate. And what that Fed funds rate is what the banks charge each other for lending them money overnight. So basically banks have this required amount of money that needs to be re- that needs to be at their bank in order to cover deposits so we don't have these bank runs like we had around the Great Depression. And so banks basically loan each other money to make sure that they're in good shape and to make sure that they pass this test. And what that rate is right now, that Fed funds rate, it's zero, between zero and 0.25%. So what does that actually mean for like real people though? Like how does that affect them? Is it the savings accounts? Yeah, exactly. So we, (laughs) you maybe moved money to a high yield savings account a couple years ago and we're really excited getting 1% or 2% even. And and I'll never forget. Remember when Robinhood uh, gave you 4%? I kind of, with all the scandal going on with Robinhood lately, (laughs) I kind of just forgot about that until right now, actually. But, uh, but yeah, basically this does affect people because what, by uh, lowering these short term rates, basically what has happened is the bank is not making much money on your money. And so they're not paying you any interest in their savings account. And what's happening and what has happened over the past few past few years is basically it's incentivizing you to go spend money to go get loans and uh, not save money. Because if you're just getting half a percent in your savings account, why would you keep your money there? You're just losing, losing to inflation. Totally. Um, so going back to the 10 year, um, how we started this conversation, like why exactly is everyone looking at the 10 year specifically? So the 10 year is interesting. And those people who have been investing for a really, really long time, they always keep a close eye on the 10 year note. And here's why the, the FOMC or the fed, they can change the fed funds rate. They have full control of that rate. They can manipulate it. They have a dual mandate to basically maintain price stability and uh, strong employment, so or f- full employment. And so they have control of this Fed funds rate. But the 10-year rate is market-driven to some degree. So the 10-year rate is looking at the future. It is taking some level of the past right now. Obviously, if... Uh, if you can overnight lend for 0.25%, you have to have a, a higher rate for further down the line, but the market drives it. And right now, uh, the 10 year interest rate is moving substantially. So basically the 10 year note, uh, if you want wanted to loan the money to the US government, lock it in for 10 years, six months ago, the government was gonna pay you a whopping 0.6% per year for 10 years. What a deal. What a deal, <laughs> right? Now, what has happened is the 10 year has moved all the way to 1.5%. So if you uh, bought a bond getting you 0.6% locked in for 10 years, that was not a good deal. And now this 10 year is yielding 1.5%. A whole half of basically 75 basis points. It doesn't seem like a lot, but it, it is. It's funny. It is because look, one, when you're talking in bond terms, we, we haven't seen this in a long time. And uh, what happened was COVID happened and the Fed pushed interest rates down. Everyone was assumed uh, growth was going to go away. And now we're having the opposite. I don't know all of you that are sitting, listening to this podcast or clubhouse right now. You're probably still sitting at home. You're probably still waiting for the vaccine. 
But I guarantee you, a lot of you are right now figuring out where the heck you're going to be traveling to. Vacations. Right? Waiting to spend money. All the restaurants are booked. And basically what's happening is this 10-year yield is is moving up. And the reason this matters, to, to answer your question, Brett, and, and the reason why you're seeing growth companies get hit is because all of these companies borrow money and they invest for growth. And so they're, you know, you hear Apple has all this cash, but they actually have a lot of very cheap debt on their books as well. One of the biggest bond funds in the world. That's exactly, exactly right. And so what's happening is, is these rates are going up. They're trying to reinvest for growth and you're, you start to worry about their ability to, to borrow money at lower rates. And then also on top of it is, I know Brett, you were laughing at going from 0.6 to 1.5%, but now people may be attracted to start to buy bonds. And so you, you tend to see a short-term rotation out of the stock market into the bond market when rates do start to tick up. And this also affects other things too. Like we've been dealing with a lot of um, refinancings lately with a lot of clients, right? And so you also have the 30-year mortgage rate that's been moving up kind of in coordination with this. Yeah, exactly. So this is one that we're closely watching as so many of our clients, our friends, people around us are, are trying to buy houses or have recently bought houses, but we're starting to see uh, it, this trickle down to mortgages, right? Uh, we're the people we're talking to, we're, we're trying to say lock in your 30 year mortgage while you can, because the times of getting this two and a half, 2.75% 30 year mortgage may be gone, uh, very, very soon. And so I, this is very fun for finance people, but like, why do actual people care? You think about this? Yeah. So it, it's inflation, right? I, I'm sure you've heard this term so much lately. And I don't know if you felt it, Brett, going to the grocery store, but I know I have. Everywhere. Yep. So inflation is simply things get more expensive as time goes on. And this is uh, the argument for, for Bitcoin, which we're not going to get into today. But basically what people are worried about now is the Fed has pumped so much money into the system, has kept interest rates so low, People cannot wait to spend money. And basically, there's going to be too much money chasing too few goods. Yeah. I mean, just in the last year, they're about to print 40% of the entire money supply that was available to Americans and globally. Yeah. And And so what's interesting about this is just printing money doesn't directly cause inflation. This is one of the common mistakes that people make. It does not directly cause inflation. What causes inflation is when that money gets spent and it gets reinvested. So if the government gave gave you a $600 stimulus check and you put it in your pocket, that's not inflationary. You didn't spend that money, you put it in your savings account. Now, if you took that $600 and you invested it and you used some of those investment returns to go to GameStop, uh, and then maybe GameStop goes from hiring one person to two people, then uh, they hire, then they get a bigger store and then the landlord makes more money and then the landlord refinances their loan at a lower rate and is spending more in other places. All of a sudden you get inflation. So that's, that's what we call the velocity of money. So if the velocity of money picks up, which believe me, people can't wait to spend money right now, inflation will likely show up. And so 
the 10 year is starting to move. Interest rates are starting to move and people are starting to worry about inflation. And what's the Fed going to do when inflation starts to show itself is they will likely raise interest rates. Another kind of misconception, too, I think, is what do you think about this $15 minimum wage and how that would have an effect on any inflation? Well, look, if, if you're if you're going to put more money in, if you're going to force people to make more money, that's going to bring up wages. That's going to bring up the cost of goods. And yeah, likely inflation will come with it. But frankly, what's happened is, is things have gotten more expensive. When you look at the cost of food, when you look at the cost of college education, you look at healthcare costs, you look at all of these different things, it's gotten more expensive. And so from a minimum wage standpoint, yes, that may cause some inflation, but the, I don't know the exact statistic, but there's some crazy amount percentage of number when you look at people, minimum wage, how much they spend on uh, just food is, I think it's like 40%, right? And so when we talk about the minimum wage, which is probably another conversation is yes, it, it, it needs to come up and if that probably will be inflationary, but we need to make sure that people can afford to, to live here and not incur debt and go to college. Yeah. And there are ways for you to invest and still kind of protect yourself from this inflationary environment. And one of those is called tips. And uh, for, those, uh, for those of you who don't know what tips are, it's treasury inflated protected securities. And they're basically indexed to inflation in order to protect investors from a decline in the purchasing power of their money. So uh, basically tips will increase when there is inflation and then decrease when there's deflation and it's all measured by the CPI index or so the consumer price index and so these tips you can buy them and basically issued in terms of 5 10 or 30 years they pay semi-annually like most bonds do um, and what happens is like let's say if the consumer price index goes up the par value of that actual bond adjusts up as well and the interest rates of those bonds will still stay the same, but you now get the interest rate basically paid from that higher par value over time. Um, so the interest income and the growth of the principal are actually exempt from state and local income taxes, which is nice, but you still have to pay federal taxes on them. Um, so these are an interesting way to kind of protect yourself from something that's going on like this. Um, there is a little bit of tax risk in tips and you know if the face value goes up the IRS kind of views that as an increase in face value and even though you didn't really realize the gain um, you still have to pay taxes on those and so that's why most people will actually buy them in like mutual funds or tax deferred accounts but ultimately the goal of them is to have fixed income investors um, are eliminating this inflation risk from their portfolio um, so those are the types of things that we're looking at you know managing the portfolios of our clients to basically help protect them um, from these risks that are out there. Yeah. And bonds have been viewed as safe, right? I, I think that has been the common knowledge. Our grandparents told us buy bonds. Maybe our parents told us to buy bonds. Those are safe. That's what you used to do, right? When you retired, you took all of your stocks and you put them in bonds and you were able to make five, 10, 15% back then. Exactly. And and that's what needs to be understood right now is, is bonds aren't safe, right? Even take just the past six months. If you bought a 10-year government bond and it guaranteed you half, a whopping half a percent, that bond is now down in value. And the reason that bond is now down in value is because that same 10-year bond can get you one and a half percent per year for 10 years. So if you went to go to try to sell your bond to somebody else, they're not going to pay anything for that. So 
the bond market is really, really challenging, and it's going to be interesting to continue to watch watch that ten year move uh, move around. And it's been pretty crazy the volatility we've seen, but it's it's very common uh, when you see the ten year tick up too quickly. You almost always see volatility in the stock market. So with that, I think we'll call it on on the podcast recording. Maybe we'll. Uh, add in some speakers and I'll let Brett you kind of give the, the yeah, closing before we get into uh, the Q&A right now on Clubhouse uh, just remember to subscribe to the Get Invested podcast so you guys can uh, be notified when we put these out on our Wine Wednesdays now um, also if you guys have any questions or things that you want to talk to us about specifically you can always email us it's either brett at gerberkawasaki.com or ben at gerberkawasaki.com we're also very active on twitter i'm at Trades, same as my clubhouse handle and ben is ben dunbar gk so that being said thanks everyone for listening and we're going to hop on clubhouse to answer some of your questions